Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast, hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals Bikini Pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Repping the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 20th, 20th episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. 20 freaking episodes, Sari. Can you believe it? I cannot. It is quite the milestone. Who knew my flabby, mediocre ass would have made it this far? <laughs> yes. And for whatever reason, Sarah, people really do actually like you. You know that? Mm. Uh, some way, <laughs> somehow, I don't know what it is, but you do bring value into their lives despite not really having a whole lot of useful or (laughs) information to give the listeners on any episode, really. Well, maybe the Poop Podcast. You did have a lot of good good names for uh, growing a tail. Thanks. Um, Or the sweat episode, actually. The sweat-isode, because you had your pits removed, that was, was one I felt like you contributed a decent amount to. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm glad that's my claim to fame. Um, yeah, I was going to say that I'm a very likable person, but... You are. You know, thanks to you, my self-esteem is shot to shit. Well, in all honesty, Sarah, would you say that we bring each other more up or down as a whole, if you had to pick? And can you actually think of a time that, say, I really helped you through a tough time in your life or maybe a time that you wanted to punch me in the throat? I've definitely wanted to punch you in the throat, but I feel like it's a bit of both. And, you know, working with you is somewhat of a blessing and a curse. Well, I would say having you helping the biz here at Jacked on the Beanstalk is nothing but a blessing, Sari. So uh, no curses, you bitch. Well, then I think you just answered your own question. Well, speaking of bringing you up, I do actually have a very sweet memory that I can share with our audience of a time I remember you were a very good big sister to me. It was right before I moved to Vancouver and uh, it was the day before I boarded the plane. I think I was, how old was I? Like 21, 20... 23. 23-ish. And uh, Sarah gave me a very sweet little handwritten note and I remember, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was a lot of of loving big sister stuff like you know you're stronger than you know and you can do this and I know that this is the right thing for you at this point in your life and I'm only a phone call away and that sort of thing and I remember reading it on the plane tearing up Sarah because it was very sweet and I remember thinking I'm pretty freaking blessed oh and on that note Sarah chose me as her bridesmaid in her wedding, but Aaron, our producer, was her maid of honor. So I, you're welcome, Aaron. You're just the producer on the podcast. 
<laughs> well, I should point out that that Aaron has been my best friend for uh, like what over twenty years. I guess you've been my sister for. for- 30 Are we allowed to say my age? Well, anyways, now that we've melted everybody's hearts with uh, this little sisterly love fest we've got going on, let us now talk about melting fat, shall we? Ooh, nice segue. Yeah, you like that? Uh-huh. Not just a perfect ass there. <laughs> we- but can you spell segue? <laughs> There was some time where I was trying to figure out how to spell Segway, and I spelt it S-E-G-W-A-Y. In case anyone's wondering, Segway from our melting hearts to fat is spelt S-E-G-U-E. And we are both very anal retentive spellers here in the Shorky family, so we like to pick each other apart every time we misspell a word or use incorrect grammar. Today on the podcast, we thought that we would cover something a little more fitness diet related because it's kind of been a while since we have, eh? I am, after all, a fitness coach and a big time gym junkie slash meatless meathead, as we all know. And I know many of our listeners are as well. So I came up with the topic this week. Last week, I actually had two clients comment on how great they were feeling and how much they were loving their training and nutrition plans that I wrote for them. One client in particular, she's been working with me for a good few months now, and she even sent me her transformation pics from the first day we started working together about 8 or 12 maybe weeks ago and to the ones very recently. And you could see huge changes and her butt was noticeably higher and rounder and her back was so much tighter. Definitely her waist was was much teeny tinier and we could even see some little round delts peeking through. But of course, despite all of these awesome feelings and changes that not just her but the other girl were experiencing, both of them did the same thing. They stepped on that effing scale and guess what? No weight loss. (gasps) Oh god, the world has ended and this, my friends, is why I hate the scale. And in fact, I encourage everybody listening to go check out the blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago titled, The Best Thing You Can Do for a Healthy Mind and Fit Body. Yeah, let's actually read some of it because it's it's got some good stuff. Let's pull it up here. I can honestly say that one of the best decisions I have ever made was packing my scale away more than a year ago. Gasp? Say what? A pro bikini competitor who doesn't weigh herself? Oh yes, and doing so has made me appreciate and love my body more than ever before. Nowadays, I base my progress solely on how I look and how my clothes feel. I've come to learn that the digits on a scale are completely irrelevant even in the competitive bodybuilding world. And here is why. My first year of competing, I stepped on stage at 122 pounds. I'm 5'7 and a half. Yeah, that is very tiny for a woman who's almost 5'8. 
My second year of competing, I hit the stage at 130 pounds. And yes, I won both of these shows despite an eight pound difference in my weight. And so bear in mind this post was written a couple years ago but I say and now at four weeks out from my upcoming pro show debut I weigh just under 138 pounds and you know what I look leaner and meaner now than I did at this exact same time in my prep last year so it would seem that every year I compete I weigh about eight pounds more than the previous year gasp say what I've put on 16 pounds in two years So isn't that a little crazy? I'm sure everyone is thinking. But anyways, I'll read a little bit more of the post. To me, that's actually great news because it means I've replaced body fat with lean muscle and my off-season work is paying off. What still blows my mind, however, is that even though we know more muscle equals improved strength, energy, and a higher metabolism, we freak out when the number on the scale reflects those hard-earned gains. And even though we continue to lift heavy and claim that we want to grow muscles, none of us seem to give a shit the second we see a heavier number on the scale. Sound familiar, my dearest podcast listeners? Sarah, how about you? How is all of this uh, sitting with you as someone who has no muscle? (laughs) (laughs) Again, why? why, Does anyone ever wonder why Sarah is a host on on this podcast? Yeah, I was just asking myself that same question. I, I may be I may prove to be quieter than usual on this episode. But seriously, I, I think when you talk about a sixteen pound weight gain, the idea of that is um absolutely terrifying to to most of us women. And why I, I think I know why, but I would like to hear um you say why it's terrifying. And actually you have seen me throughout all of these phases and even know I weigh 10 pounds more now than I did before that pro show that I had mentioned in the post. And Sarah, looking at me right now, would you describe me as as a, a, a huge bitch? That's a huge bitch! <laughs> No, uh, no, not at all. Uh, But unfortunately, as a woman, I think we're just terrified of that stupid little needle moving on the scale. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, the number going up is negative and seeing it go down is is positive. Yes. And I, of course, am guilty of that myself. And that's precisely why I don't weigh myself anymore. Um, I think I remember, and I, I I probably mentioned this on a podcast before, but there was, I think it was some like body love conference or something. I seem to think it happened in New York a couple of years ago where... Uh, all these women, or I guess those people, um, they smash their scales. Oh, I know. It was a New Year's resolution to smash their scales. And I guess this was uh, to revolt against all the people who make it their New Year's resolution to get skinny, uh, which I love that. And, and I know there's been like eating disorder, um, cl- uh, like rehab centers or whatever that do a similar thing. And I, I think that's that's a really cool idea and uh, can be very empowering for people who are uh, victim to their scale. Uh, What about you, Sarah? Do you weigh yourself? How often 
Yes, yes, I do. And do you want to smash our scales together this uh, January 1st? Actually, part of me is, is kind of interested to know how I would cope without a scale, because it's weird. It's not even that I'm obsessed with my weight or, or you know, genuinely struggle with my weight. I think it's just a habit more than anything. So how often do you weigh yourself then? I don't know. Once a week? Well, I'm not against weighing myself or anyone weighing themselves. In fact, as you know, I ask all of my clients to weigh themselves before I'll write plans for them uh, because obviously it will help me to figure out how many calories to give them. But I definitely always stress that it is one, just one of many tools in our little tool belt of, of health and fitness and we use their weight as a guide only. And I also always stress to my bikini and figure competitor girls that the judges don't need to know what you weigh. So, you know, it really is irrelevant on a number of levels. Yeah, I don't, in a weird twist, I, I don't think people should weigh themselves. So I, I guess that just makes <laughs> me a huge hypocrite. Yeah, uh, okay. What? But uh, again, I think if you have a healthy relationship with your body and with food, again, it can be a great guide to measure your progress and be good for even noting things like water retention, especially around your period. But unfortunately, and I've seen this happen far too often, is that it can lead to very obsessive behavior. So I always tell people, do not weigh yourself more than once a week. And then it can also change your outlook on the entire day. If say you wake up, you're feeling good, and then you step on the scale, and if that number doesn't reflect how you feel, it can easily turn an otherwise healthy, positive mindset into a super negative and unhealthy one. For those who do have a healthy relationship with their body and with weighing themselves, then sure, you can weigh yourself. And I would say ideally do it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach before you eat or drink anything because that's going to give you the most realistic comparison of changes in your weight. And again, never more than once per week. I actually remember reading something, I think it was on like Shape Magazine or Woman's Health Magazine or something like that. And a woman actually conducted an experiment to see how much her weight changed over the course of 24 hours. And she weighed herself every hour for 12 hours. And in just 12 hours, her weight went up or down three to four pounds within an hour. So this, of course, would be because of things like what she's eating, drinking, peeing, shitting, and how much she's exercising. All of these factors greatly affect your body's water composition, therefore is going to affect your weight. So long story short, it is very common and even expected to see upwards of like a five to ten pound weight difference from one day to the next. Hence why I'm always more interested to see our clients' progress photos every week or two rather than record their weight. But I realize we're getting a little off track here. But I did want to say, going back to building muscle while losing fat, and is it actually possible? So first, let's talk about building muscle. It is very possible for many adults to gain as much as 15 pounds of muscle in a year. 
but many can only gain five pounds of muscle in a year. And bear in mind, these are people that are being consistent with their workouts. I personally was able to gain eight pounds of muscle within a year period. Um, And I'd probably say five to six of that was muscle. And remember, I am an all natural female bodybuilder who is very consistent with her workouts and hardcore. So that's actually pretty damn good gains, bruh, for a year. What I really want to address on this episode is how much food we should be eating in order to build muscle. And is it possible to build muscle and lose weight at the same time? Common meathead wisdom is that you have to gain some fat in order to gain muscle. And we refer to this as the whole bulking versus cutting phase that I'm sure everybody listening has heard of. So we just learned that it is pretty hard to gain muscle. It takes a lot of time. Losing fat, on the other hand, comes much faster when you simply consume fewer calories than you're burning off in a day. I thought I would share some of the calculations that I apply when I'm writing my clients' plans and how I figure out how much food to give them. Let's get a little scientific, shall we, Sarah? I was going to say, everybody get your pencils out. (laughs) She does add some comedic value, doesn't she? Instead of just listening to me blather on and on and on. We all know that in order to strictly lose body fat, we need to create a caloric deficit. And we can do this by one of three ways. A, eating less. B, burning more, or C, a combination of both. Makes sense, right? In order to strictly build muscle, most of us do need a caloric surplus. And that typically means eating 10% above whatever your maintenance weight is. And I'll get into maintenance weight and figuring that out later on. And then of course, you're, you're still lifting like a beast at the gym consistently for several months, even years. The problem with the people who want to follow the dieting only approach to weight loss, meaning they're not even lifting weights or even training really, is that only a portion of their weight loss is going to come from fat. That's because when we restrict calories, especially if we are on a pretty severe calorie cut, you're going to end up stripping away muscle and bone density in addition to stripping away the fat. So I always advise my clients on incorporating some kind of regular weight training routine, even if you don't want to look muscular. For all you ladies out there who think that if you pick up a pair of dumbbells, you're gonna wake up looking like Schwarzenegger, please remember that it is very hard for women to naturally build huge muscles because we don't produce enough testosterone to do so. But if we can pick up some weights just a few times a week and keep our diet clean, you'll actually stimulate the growth of these healthy tissues rather than the loss of them. We know that we need to create a caloric surplus to gain muscle. And like I said, that's going to be about 10% more calories than whatever your maintenance is. And maintenance means just your, your body at rest, how many calories you need to just maintain your current weight. And we know that we need a caloric deficit to lose body fat. Always continue to lift like a beast every day. So now let's get to the how do we successfully lose body fat without losing muscle. Right, Sarah? 
<laughs> what? What? No. Yeah. Remember when I said that working for you was both a blessing and a curse? This was exactly what I was talking about. Because basically all I'm learning is that I'm completely effed. So I don't know why you still continue to not lift weights. And guys, please submit some listener feedback encouraging <laughs> Sarah if she wants to be the host of a vegan health and fitness podcast that she needs to start lifting the weights. I know. I really don't like it. It's so boring. But I <laughs> I would like to point out that, I mean, we always joke that I don't work out. True, I don't stand there and lift weights. I hate lifting weights. But, like, I'm an active person here. I'm not, you know, uh, I, I'm constantly moving, whether it's picking up children or hauling laundry baskets or landscaping. Those are my kind of exercises or workouts. Wow, that you bring up a good point, Sarah, actually. Did you know that all of those things you just listed is called NEAT, which stands for Non-Exercise Activity Thermogenesis. What does that mean? That uh, means it's the non-exercise activities that you do on a daily basis, and your NEAT can actually account for as little as 15% of your daily calorie expenditure, or up to 50% if you're very active, such as yourself, apparently, with those laundry baskets and hauling rocks. <laughs> okay, yeah, for a minute there, I thought you were making fun of me, like I'm a couch potato or something. Like, is this is this couch potato exercises? No, totally not. It's a legit thing, and people can actually burn 100 to 150 calories per hour just by increasing their neat activities, which could essentially equal to like losing 30 pounds a year, depending on how active your day to day is. And in fact, I'm pulling it up right now that it says neat can account for an 850 calorie difference a day in energy expenditure, all from activities that aren't full on work or exercise. So there you go, Sarah. Damn. So you don't have to feel so bad. Just make it get off my case. All right, fine. Anyways, let's get back to eating to build muscle whilst losing fat. Believe it or not, most people actually struggle to put on muscle because they fail to consume an adequate calorie surplus. People who start with a higher body fat percentage can actually make muscle gains while they're in a caloric deficit, but it'll only work until their body fat percentage comes down to a certain level. So listen up, all you teeny tiny chicks listening who want to build muscle but are terrified to put on any body fat. If you already have a low body fat percentage, you will not make any muscle gains as long as you're in a deficit. Going back to these two clients I mentioned earlier, why they were so surprised by the amount of food that I give them on their food plans. So, you know, lean or leanish people. If you want to add muscle to your frame and minimize body fat, which of course is what 90% of our clients want, ideally they should still be adding an extra three to 500 calories to their daily maintenance and of course lifting like a beast at the gym. But what I always stress is I want them to use those calories to like really fuel their workouts. And the same thing goes for competitors who are already at a low body fat. I know that competing is like so much a mental battle, but your body needs some fat. So when you get to a certain point, it will start choosing to burn muscle
muscle instead of fat if you even attempt to go into a caloric deficit. So it's say you're a female competitor and you're already at 15% body fat and you want to get down to 12%, which is not healthy anyways, ladies, and not something you can maintain long term. But you're not even going to be able to add muscle at that point. At best, you would be able to maintain the current muscle mass you have. It really depends what your goals are. And it is really hard to do both at the same time. Of course, I'll, I'll always advocate for doing a slow, slow transformation and process, you know, whether you're bulking or cutting, you want to make sure that you're not doing any kind of crash diet where you're going to a severe calorie restriction or major increase on your calories. So really stick to that three to 500 range. If you're looking to build muscle, add an extra 300 calories, see how that goes. If you're looking to lose weight, then reduce 300 calories from your maintenance and see how that goes. Let's talk food specifics. Of course, being the meatless meathead that I am, obviously I'm going to promote a high protein vegan diet. Oh, and on that note, next week we're actually doing a whole episode on vegan protein and I have a very special guest who is a vegan dietitian coming on the podcast, so stay tuned for that one. But for now, I want to share that if we're talking about what I typically will recommend to my clients, it is 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight per day, and that's what you're going to consume. And this would be eaten over the course of five to six meals, and you're going to space those meals out evenly throughout the day, every two to three hours typically. You really want to ensure that you're consuming enough calories to keep your body from thinking it's starving. And that means proper nutrition. Make every calorie count. Tons of veggies, minimal processed foods, less than 30% of your calories coming from fats, and then always sticking to the good fat sources like extra virgin olive oil or avocados or almonds, and then starchy complex carb sources like sweet potatoes, quinoa, oats, and rice are typically my go-tos. And then you're going to have those starchy carbs around your workout, so again, you're really utilizing uh, that energy to get heavy lifts in hardcore consistent weight workouts can't stress that enough and a final takeaway on this topic is how do we figure out what our maintenance calorie needs are so i'm going to give you a super easy formula that will help you figure it out multiply your current weight in pounds by 10 If you're female, I would say calculate your your weight in pounds by 10. Males, let's do it by 11. So for instance, if you're a 150 pound woman, your maintenance or the amount of calories your body needs at rest would be 1500 per day. And then, like I said, you can add or subtract three to 500 calories. I'd say for women, let's do 300. For men, let's do 500, depending on whether your goal is to gain muscle or lose body fat. And again, these are very simple, basic calculations. Of course, every person, every case is going to be a little bit different depending on your goals and your lifestyle and whatnot. And if you do want a customized meal plan and training plan, for sure, hit me up, send me an email to Sam at jackedonthebeanstalk.com and I'd be happy to help create one for you. But this little formula is definitely a good baseline uh, to help you measure and give you a ballpark figure of what your daily calories 
things should look like. See, Sarah, this is what happens when you... I don't know why I'm being so mean to you this episode. Apparently, you rely on me a lot. I didn't know. I think it means we need to put you on a hardcore bodybuilder diet and training regimen. I don't think that's going to help. Although, maybe you could sneak some weights into the bottom of my laundry basket or something. (laughs) Well, we also haven't read the review of the week yet. That can be your big contribution to this episode. That means you have to do a really good impression. Great. Let's do it. You did help me install my new Brita kitchen faucet filtration system before we recorded, so I guess you are good for that, too. So thanks for that, big sis. If I ever re-enter the work world, I can't wait to see the job description I'm going to have on my resume for this. (laughs) Oh, I'll give you the best employer testimonial you ever heard. Although seeing as how we shared the same last name, I'm not sure that that will... (laughs) Listener feedback. Today's review comes from Jerf, the listener. Jerf says, Despite by me. <laughs> Jerf is apparently a monster living under my bed. Despite my meat eating. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to go with that. I'm never going to make it through. Despite my meat eating. This vegan podcast. <laughs> was really fun to listen to. You know who you sound like from Ghostbusters? Zool. Does anyone know Zool? Juice. <laughs> anyway. Great chemistry between <laughs> Sam and Sam. You went full out, Sarah. That was awesome. Uh, And I also couldn't help but notice that he said, despite my meat eating, kind of cool, I guess, that non-vegans listen to our podcast. Or you think Jerf is uh, in the closet, maybe. A little Mm. veg curious. Mm. Or perhaps he stumbled onto our poop podcast. Maybe (laughs) maybe he's unsubscribing at this very moment because we're insulting him. Whatever the case, thank you for the review, Jerf. And we really hope you listen and enjoy the upcoming interview in a couple weeks all about animal rights. Pretty sure we just lost him as a listener and uh, as a review. And on that note, to all of our vegan subscribers, I know you're out there, we would really appreciate if you too would leave us a review on iTunes if you're getting some kind of value or at least entertainment from our podcast. I know you want to hear us do an impression of your voice, of what we think your voice sounds like, so keep those reviews coming. You can do it from your phone or your computer, but you do need need to search Jacked on the Beanstalk the podcast on whatever device you do choose to listen to them on. Uh, Even if you're already subscribed, then you got to click the ratings and reviews tab. What song are we singing this week to conclude the 20th episode? This might be the last you hear of me, podcast listeners, as I may be fired since to add to my lack of contribution, I don't (laughs) even have a song. Oh, God. <laughs> really? I was still trying to find one, like, right up until the moment. I left the door to come here. I, I told you, I don't know how to do things half-assed. I was really focused. Right here, right 
now by Fat Boy Slim, huh? Oddly enough, that was one that I, but there just, it wasn't enough lyrics to sing. What about Iron Man by Black Sabbath? What the hell does that have to do with the theme? You're strictly going off the title. Yeah, well, if I knew I could do that, I could have come up with 8,000 different songs. Oh, I know. Just Eat It by Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) It was in the running. I was also contemplating Fat by Weird Al. Well, I'm pretty sure I went through every song in the history of music. I I don't know whether it's my best suggestion or because it was one of the last ones before I was heading out the door. Uh, But I I did come up with uh, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger by Daft Punk. Alright, sure, whatever. And actually, a subscriber told me just yesterday that they didn't even know we sing songs at the end of every episode because apparently they turn it off as soon as they hear that we're wrapping up the episode. (laughs) So maybe no one will even hear this one. Well, in that case, maybe I'll recite a poem I wrote. It's called Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. If a tree (laughs) falls in the forest, does anybody hear Yeah, I don't even know the song at all. Oh, great. All right, well, apparently no one listens this far into the podcast anyway, so... Work it. Make it. Do it. Make us harder, harder, better, better, faster, faster, stronger. More than our, our, never, ever, after. Work it. Over. Work it. Make it. Do it. Make Make us us harder, better, stronger, faster. (laughs) Okay, we just have to stop yeah. right there. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next week, Shorky Sisters out. I love-